Welcome to the One in Five of Us Changing the Mental Health Landscape podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. One in five people will experience a mental health condition, but it takes on average eight to 10 years for someone to seek treatment. Hi, I'm Nancy Eigel-Miller, the founder and executive director of One in Five, and I'm thrilled to host this podcast to help educate our community around mental health and wellness and to empower you to start the conversation. And I'm Kayla Wood, the social media specialist at One in Five. Together, we can stop the stigma and start the conversation. You belong here. We belong together. So today we are sitting down with Autumn Kessler. She is a qualified behavioral health specialist and um, working on starting her own nonprofit called Whole Child, Whole Health. Um, Autumn, thank you so much for being here today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're so excited too. Yay. Um, So let's just go ahead and jump in. Um, This first question is one that we ask literally every single guest. Um, We love to start it out this way. Um, So can you start off by telling us just a little bit about your own mental health journey? I grew up in a very rough household. Um, My dad struggled a lot with alcohol and um, drug abuse. He was very um, mentally and uh, physically abusive towards myself and my mom. And it was a very bad environment. Like I can't remember a whole, whole lot about my childhood because of the systems that go in place, like within your internal brain and like the whole like physiology behind like mental health. Once I learned that later on, it made so much sense to me. But um, when my parents divorced, I was about seven years old and it was the first time my mom ever had to go to work or could actually go to work. He wouldn't allow her to work oftentimes. And like I said, it was just a very, a very harsh environment, a very bad environment. And it left me alone. I was an only child, um, not having him in the picture, my mom having to work full time to barely be able to support us and like allow us to live comfortably. Um, my grandma stepped in and like took care of me a lot of times when she would be at work. And we tried to find like little outlets here and there for me to be able to be a normal kid. And that was kind of how like my role with dance, singing pageants, like that kind of came all to fruition. And like what I really like leaned in and like relied on to have a sense of normalcy. But when I was 10, my dad actually ended up committing a very serious crime and he ended up in prison for it. I grew up in like this teeny, teeny, tiny town in Southeast Ohio. And I carried his last name. I still carry his last name. And so for many, it was like, oh, you're just the daughter of a convict. Like you're just nothing more than what he was. And so it really took a toll on me. And although like it very much affected me, I wasn't provided with a lot of mental health resources. So like severe anxiety, like PTSD from everything that was happening, you know, my mom was struggling with herself and like with her own battles. And, you know, as I got older, I started to recognize a lot more of it, but I didn't understand what was happening at the time. She really didn't understand what was happening at the time. And, you know, you kind of put up this front and you try to move on from it, but it was something that I struggled with heavily. And then once my grandma passed away when I was in high school, it was like flipping my world upside down. Everything that we had tried to build revolved around her. And so it was just like one thing after another, after another, which I feel like is 
the root of everything that kind of happened was I barely got grasp on one thing and like made sense of it. And then something else would happen. But when I went to college, like I started to explore more like the options and the resources that were available to me. But I went to a small private liberal arts college. There was only two counselors on the entire campus. And I was a resident assistant. I had a very demanding job, but I felt guilt almost when I would take that time away from other individuals on campus thinking, you know, well, they need it more than I do. But the reality of the situation was we both needed it. Like we both had that need for additional support, additional help. And that's kind of how my um, my program, Whole Child, Whole Health, bloomed because I was like, you know, if I would have learned some of these resources, if I would have learned about some of these coping mechanisms when I was little, who knows what I would have been able to carry with me onto adulthood. And, you know, while I still struggle even so much still to this day, you know, we all have bad days, but for me, a very therapeutic and like healthy part of it has been like channeling my energy into helping in other individuals. So that way they maybe don't have to go through what I did, or at least if they do, they're more equipped and better able to handle the situations that they're given. Well, thank you for uh, telling us um, um, your journey. It's, it's always so important to, to learn about where people came from and where they where they ended up, what that emotion is and how that drives you moving forward. So thank you. Yes, of course. So tell us a little bit about the work that Whole Child, um, Whole Health is going to be doing. You said it's yeah. brand new, right? It, it really is brand new. Um, I had started like small initiatives here and there. Um, back in 2018, um, our Miss Ohio at the time actually had a mental health platform. And so I traveled a lot with her, like got to kind of see like this whole new world while I was in college. I saw on my campus that there was a huge need for, you know, additional mental health resources, additional support. But it was kind of upon like quarantine starting that I started to reflect on, you know, my own journey. And I kind of took everything back to that root of like childhood. And I said, you know, what would have happened? You know, we always sit there and say, what if, what if, what if? And so for me, it was what if I would have actually been provided the resources? What if I would have had the help? And I knew that, you know, a lot of small rural areas in Ohio, a lot of low income places, they don't have access to resources. They don't have the ability to kind of move and shake and make change on their own. So they need additional support with that. So I developed Whole Child Whole Health as purely a way to increase awareness. I mean, suicide is the leading cause of death for 10 to 14 year olds in Ohio. That was the age I was when my dad had the crime committed. And like, that was such a vulnerable time in my life. So I resonated so heavily with that. And I was able to actually work with Ohio's legislators in the months leading up to my official debut of my program before quarantine hit and advocate for like legislation that would severely impact, you know, the way that we view children's mental health so much so as like, one of the bills was requiring that mental health education actually be implemented into the general health population uh, education into the classrooms. And so, you know, I kind of stem back to, you know, while legislation is great, it's it's fantastic. It also takes a really long time for it to take effect, especially in those small little areas. And so I started this and I said, I really want to put out resources. I want to condense down the resources. So I work a lot with um, on our sleeves. I sign up for their mailing letters. Like every time they publish something, I take it, I read it, I break it down, make bullet points out of it because oftentimes our parents, especially during quarantine, they're trying to 
juggle homeschool and work and everything. So I took it and I broke it all down, kind of got the nitty gritty out of it. And I publicized that on my website. And so there's free resources out there for people that are accessible. That way they don't have to read through everything. It takes literally every organization that I can get my hands on, every article that I can find and it condenses it down and I'm constantly adding to it. So still trying to grow that portion of it, but a lot, a large part of its community as well. It's about like, you know, building support systems, building those resources because, you know, health insurance doesn't always cover mental health. You know, we may not even have mental health education and uh, resources within small towns. So it's about, you know, how can a community really come together and help these young children and maybe even learn for themselves some things that they can do. So Community, education, legislation, those are like the three pillars that I try to hit all the time. And hopefully once everything starts to return back to normal, I'll be able to get my nonprofit licensure, be able to get grants and start doing some school presentations and really make this a big, a big leaping point for Ohio's children. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. uh, So we actually were working on legislation that was very similar to that. It was House Bill 532 that um, would make it mandatory in the state of Ohio that there be mental health education from kindergarten through the 12th grade. But the uh, pandemic um, brought that to a screeching halt. So we, we basically have to start over again. Yes. It, it, it'll be interesting to see definitely how you know, things change and uh, evolve with this new, this new normal that we're facing. But if you need help, you know who to call. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, I, I think that, you know, coming out of this pandemic, I think legislators are going to see the need for mental health education. Um, because I mean, if you look on any, and I don't know, I mean, our, I'm sure our social media is curated to us, but... <laughs> When you scroll through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, you constantly see these news stories about how like youth mental health is being impacted so much by mm-hmm. COVID and everything. So um, it is going to be really interesting to see, you know, how our how our government kind of sees that. Reacts to all of that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was reading an article the other day, uh, the American foundation for suicide prevention shared it. And it was something along the lines of like, it'll take two full years for us to get the numbers back as far as how the pandemic actually affected mental health. And I was like, that's two whole years of individuals struggling, individuals dying by suicide. Like that's huge. That's a huge, huge gap. And like, we can't wait two years. Some people can't even wait 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, what, what can we do now while we're waiting for these statistics to come out? Because oftentimes they, those are what are held very, very close to politicians' hearts and stuff. And that's what, you know, oftentimes creates changes, the numbers and the statistics about it, but we can't wait. So it's like, what, what can we do? What can we do right now that helps individuals? Yeah. We actually just did a survey with uh, four high schools. And so we asked questions about how COVID was impacting them. So we're going to be using that data like crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because the loneliness numbers and the depression and anxiety numbers went up pretty significantly. So, yeah. So, yeah. Scary. It's like, it's exactly like what you said, Autumn. Like, it's what can we do right now? And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot that we can do, but it's just actually getting able to do it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, 
I do feel like I do feel like the legislators have they they recognize um, that the need is is much higher now, and I think that um, Mike Dewine is really that this is a priority area for him. So um, as much work as we can get done while he's in office, the better. <laughs> yes, I think I think definitely like one of the biggest eye-opening things was like how our healthcare professionals were impacted by it because we have these people that are sitting there and we look to them for guidance. You know, we look to them to tell us what to do and to help us, but when they're struggling, when they're suffering, it's like, you know, how can they help take care of other people when they need to take care of themselves first? So, I think that's going to be a huge driving point especially with him because he was so adamant like when that uh when that nurse lost her life and mm-hmm. it was just a driving force behind everything i think right. that initiated the conversation for their legislators mm-hmm. and i think also just the the work that we're doing we work with a lot of teachers and the amount of the impact that it's had on teachers is i don't know it's overwhelming i'll put it that way it is and then it's like okay taking it one step further you know these teachers are going to be seeing a whole new array of symptoms in their classrooms. They're going to be seeing this like whole new world essentially as to how children are adapting and evolving and, you know, transitioning into this new world that we're kind of seeing little glimpses of right now. And, you know, it's also about like preparing them because here we go again, you know, oftentimes our kids spend a lot of time with their teachers, sometimes even more time with their teachers than they do their own parents. So equipping them with the knowledge of, you know, how to properly handle those crisis situations and then, you know, providing them with the resources for the fallout of that toll that it takes on them too, is going to be absolutely critical. It is. It's uh, a, there's a lot of work to be done. Yes. A lot of work to be done. Um, I was just going to ask, like, kind of getting like a little bit more specific about um, whole child, whole health. And I know that this is like literally brand new, but like what kind of work are you wanting to like actually do like within those like school communities and um, those parent communities? Like I know you were talking a lot about like resources and stuff like that. Um, So can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for me, having that online like resource guide, I think is going to be huge because oftentimes people don't really understand where to look or once they do, they get these huge articles and it's overwhelming, especially when you're already facing adversity, especially when you're already in a place of struggle, you know, you, you, that adding something else like that to your plate is going to be huge. So just constantly adding to that, it's kind of one of the passive things because I read those articles anyhow. So if I can condense them down and share them, then that's great. Um, Way, way, way down the line, I would love to be able to get the grants to do my own research, to be able to add to that and actually have, you know, some resources on there that are stem from my knowledge and like my profession. But for right now, I think that's like my baseline groundwork is just like putting as much out there as possible in that condensed form. For schools, though, that's really where I want to focus, especially as things start to reopen. You know, we've never had something like this, not in our lifetimes. And so we really don't know what the fallout's going to be. We don't know the separation anxiety. We don't know the generalized anxiety. We don't know how schools are going to change based on what the pandemic has brought forth. So being able to go into schools, do educational presentations that talk, I mean, literally like kindergartners, first graders, like talk about emojis. Like that's one of the most like easiest ways to connect with them. And that's one of like the most beneficial things that you can teach early on is emotion regulation and like recognizing different emotions and 
teaching kids not only, you know, how to make sense of it for themselves, but maybe once they see something in another person too, like, how can they be a good friend? How can they be a good support to their friends? And then I would love to get an ear with these teachers, you know, to be able to talk about, you know, some of the most effective ways to handle these crisis situations, some of the best ways that they can, you know, help to promote a healthy learning environment, both mentally and physically, um, and kind of help to bridge that gap too, because, you know, I say it all the time, like mental health is health, but we don't view it as that as a society. So, you know, by teaching kids to view their mental health as also health and helping them to initiate that conversation and be able to speak up for themselves when they feel both physically ill, as well as mentally ill, I think will help to drastically reform the way that we kind of view our schooling systems and view mental health within our schools. So that's, I would love to get into some schools and start doing presentations as soon as I'm able to. Um, I think that's one of the biggest ways that we can affect change right now and make things happen. Yep. It's, um, you know, I, I don't know how much do you, do you know a lot about one in five and what we do? I have, you guys have always been like on my radar. So like all of the social media stuff that scrolls through. I always have like kept up on that. And um, thankfully, because of having the connections with Miss Ohio, having Luca Bella, one of our teens with your program, um, I've been able to see a lot of it. So I feel like I learn new things every day, like still kind of, still kind of learning about y'all are on the opposite side of the state too. Let's be real here. So like, I don't get to see anything in person, but I love hearing about it. And I like, you know, constantly learning new things about like the initiatives that you guys have on. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we, you're, uh, you're speaking our language. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we do a lot of work with schools and it's, it's about getting ahead of it as much as you possibly can and normalizing that conversation. And, and, and really educating everybody in the system, the kids, the parents, and the staff. So everybody is on the same program. Yep. <laughs> yep. So where are you? Are you located and you're located in Northern Ohio? Yeah. So I'm actually living in Kent right now. Um, Ohio Guidestone is throughout the entire state of Ohio, but their Northeast population is like very big. There's a lot of need up here. So I moved up to Kent. Um, around the time that the pandemic started and I wanted to pursue my MBA to be able to do like the business side of it with everything else, but put that on hold with everything that was happening. And I kind of fell into this job position and, you know, being able to work like hand in hand with a lot of young kids. I mean, I provide services to individuals ages six and up, like that's a huge gap, but it's also so rewarding at the same time. So yeah, I've been living in Kent since September. Uh, and working out of Cuyahoga County. So I've been, I've been having a little bit of a commute on the rare days that I actually have to leave my house, but this chair, this desk, this computer kind of is my home for the last, (laughs) for the last like couple months, because everything's been through telehealth. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Thank goodness that we have telehealth because it made it so much easier for so many people during this time frame. Oh yes. Yeah. And I, I think we'll continue on after, after the pandemic, after it loosens back up again. Oh, for sure. Like certain individuals, like it's very hard to find time to sit down, but mm-hmm. to put someone on speakerphone, be able to do your dishes, to be able to get ready in the morning. Like it's so easy for them to get the resources that they need and to get like the therapeutic services and talk through things and have that additional guidance and resource while they're still getting stuff done and feeling accomplished all at the same time. <laughs> yep. 
So you talked a little bit, you talked about um, what your plan was, what motivates you to, you, you talked a little bit about it, but talk in more depth about what motivates you to do this work. Yeah. So like I said, it's a cultivation between like what I had gone through as a child and like understanding on that level of like what I could have benefited from and just like that gut feeling that, you know, there's a need for this. Mm-hmm. But through the Miss Ohio Scholarship Program and the Miss America organization, I've also been able to work with Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And I had the ability to actually go into Dayton Children's Hospital when I was Miss Montgomery County. Yes, I've represented the polar opposite end of the state, but it was amazing, great experience. And when I was able to go into their hospitals, you know, I saw how children's really does a really good job at bridging that mental health and applying it with the physical health. Like they're huge with therapy animals. I got to meet the little therapy pony. That was like the coolest thing to me. (laughs) And then, you know, I got to bring in like gifts for the kids, like a bunch of coloring books, a bunch of toys and things like that to help make their stays a little bit brighter and a little bit better. Um, I was able to do events as an honorary princess since I had a crown and sash of my own. And I was like, you know, that's, that's amazing that we do this for these kids that are undergoing so much adversity in the hospitals, but let's, let's take that outside of the hospitals too. Like, let's start to implement that into schooling, into home life, into these outpatient clinics and these outpatient services, because, you know, children's are only in those big cities of, you know, the state and Ohio has a lot of them, but, you know, we still have a very hard time reaching those smaller communities. So, you know, for me, I guess like my creative thought process was, well, let's make it linear. Like let's start talking mental health alongside physical health. Let's start, you know, allowing kids to have that fun aspect of it, like increase their, you know, serotonin, increase like their feel good chemicals and hormones within their bodies at the same time that they help to better their physical health. You know, I utilize like water bottles, like the cool water bottles of the world are like, such a driving force for kids. And I'm like, okay, great. You're happy because you got a pretty sparkly water bottle, but yet you're also consuming water. So like killing two birds with one stone. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of, for me, it was seeing everything under understanding it on a personal level. And then like, once I started to actually go out into the communities, like pre pandemic and see the need for it was like the ceiling deal for me. Cause I was like, Okay, great. There's a need for this. I'm going to do it. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So um, do you have materials that you would like to share that we can link in the, um, in the show notes? Yeah. So right now um, everything is on autumnkessler.com. So pretty straightforward. Um, It tells about me. It tells about my life, my Miss Ohio journey, but there's also a whole section just for my whole childhood health. Um, It has those free resources on there that are constantly being added. It talks about my why behind how it came to be that way people, if they want to bring me into schools, they can, there's an area for people to actually book me to bring me into schools. Um, and then it also has on there about the, uh, MTV's mental health action day, which was actually something that I was able to come on board as a founding partner with. So I have that little tidbit of resources on there as well. And kind of more ways that people can get involved with, you know, actually taking action towards mental health rather than just posting about it and being passive about it. Awesome. Thank you. 
But yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this like really exciting news that you just got about this MTV Mental Health Action Day. Yeah, so um, it was something that it came on my radar from seeing all these big organizations, all these big mental health and health resources out there, and they were seeking partners for their inaugural Mental Health Action Day. And I was like, I'm going to apply. My program is teeny tiny, brand new, don't feel qualified in the least to be a part of this. And then I got this email and it's like, congratulations, you've been selected as a founding partner. Like, here's MTV's resources. Here's what we're doing. Here's all these Zoom calls with these Fortune 500 companies that are all a part of us. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, I did not feel qualified in the least. And, you know, it took it took a large period of time for me to like come to terms with the fact that like, no, like what I have is valuable. Like there's a reason that they chose me. So like, let's not question it. Like, let's just roll with it. Um, so their inaugural mental health action day is actually May 20th. And it's something that they're planning to do every single year. And every year they want to make this bigger and bigger and bigger. And they've actually been super, super open to ideas. Like they've put out spreadsheets and every single, I think they're up to a thousand different organizations that are working, contributing. Um, this also includes celebrities, influential people and things like that, like helping to cultivate this and like get this off the ground. And so, you know, the founding partners, we all kind of contributed our aspects of it, but then it was also like, okay, how can we make this a big thing? So I've been able to sit in with all of these really cool conversations again, like don't feel qualified in the least to be in them, but I'm like, this is fantastic. Like learning so much in the process, you know, actually seeing that what I'm, I'm not crazy for what I'm doing there. It's working. Like there are people that have the evidence that show that this is needed and this works. So it's been an absolutely incredible experience. I think we are doing our first like launch of promotional materials on Wednesday this week, um, on the 19th. And then, you know, the 20th, everything is up and running full force. Uh, it should be a really, a really interesting year. You know, we don't know if all of our plans are going to play out because it is the first one ever it is brand new, but the concept behind it is just like mental health is health for one, like, let's like take away that barrier. Let's take away society's perception of mental health. It's health at the end of the day. And then to take it a step further, you know, what can we do to actually take action towards mental health? And we're not saying like, you know, Hey, let's, let's post about mental health awareness. Like that's great. Don't get me wrong. But like every single person has a role within this story. Like every single person has a role that they can help to contribute. They can play a part in whether that be, you know, cultivating resources on their own, whether that be supporting other individuals, what can you actively do and be intentional about when it comes to your own mental health and the mental health of the individuals around you? So it's helping them to kind of find their place in society and like find their role within the mental health community and support and like cultivate this coalition of mental health warriors. And it's like, so it's been so empowering. I'm just like such a cool process to be a part of. That's awesome. I can hardly wait to see it. Is it just on MTV or is it, you know, what the other platforms are? It's everywhere at this point. I'm not even kidding. Um, Forbes did a, like a two page magazine spread about it. Um, MTV obviously is the driving force behind it. Like they have the big, you know, television platform. They have the big partners and stuff like that. Um, a large part of it's going to be happening virtually because we can't, not every state is going to be equipped and not every country that's in 30 countries now too. So this is huge, but 
everybody's just kind of doing what we're able to. I mean, we have to still be mindful of the fact that regulations are different in every county at this point, let alone every state and every country. So some individuals are holding like in-person walks, in-person seminars and events. Others are trying to do something virtually as far as like, you know, lives and things like that to help individuals understand mental health better, get the statistics out there, get the resources out there. But a large part of it, again, is driving behind social media, which is something that I think like we've all kind of seen come to fruition in this last year is, you know, the benefit and the impact that it has working on social media and working on websites in that virtual form to get things off the ground and to get resources out there. So it's a little bit different for every single partner that's involved. For me, again, I'm small. So I was like, I'm pushing my website. I'm pushing all my social media stuff out there. I have like a whole list of posts and things that I've already created that I'm literally just waiting to hit send on. So um, for me personally, that's how I chose to go about it because I don't have the staff. I don't have the resources to be able to do a whole lot of in-person stuff, but it's definitely something that, you know, I think with being able to hit so many different markets, so many different avenues of, you know, information and resources going out into the general public that will be able to have outlets for everyone. So if you're a person that likes in-person events, you can go on to their, um, if you Google MTV Mental Health Action Day, it'll bring you to like two to three different sites that they have set up. Um, it'll get you different resources on every site as well. And it'll probably, you'll, you'll start to see things about like partners that have like leaked to things already. I was like, that's great. Like y'all have a huge marketing team, so you can do that. I'm sitting over here on Canva, like putting together all my stuff, but we're getting there. We're getting there and it's going to be a really amazing day. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they learn from this year, because if we can already reached 30 countries, if we can already have over a thousand individuals that have signed on to help to advocate for this, like what's next year going to look like? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's, it's, uh, it's so great that big organizations are starting to take a stance on this because that's what it's going to take to really change the conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you remember back to when you were in school and it's like the cool thing to do. It's yeah. like, well, why can't mental health advocacy be the cool thing to do? Yeah, exactly. We think it's pretty cool, but sadly, not everybody not sees that eye. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's becoming cooler, though. Yeah, it, it is. is. I've seen that just in my limited experience, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, very much so. Very exciting. I'm a little bummed that this is coming out like right after the mental health action day. But, I know. But we'll definitely like, I'll link to the, um, like MTV's mental health action day website. Yeah, there are, um, there are certain, again, I'm trying to comb through like all these spreadsheets that they're sending my way because it's only me, myself and I trying to like get through everything. But I know that like certain, certain organizations, certain, um, like influencers, celebrities plan on leaving their resources up and like leaving their end of it active after the day. So like, I think the, I think the goal for a lot of individuals that have like kind of been founding members of this is to build off of it every year. So like, hopefully they'll stay up all this year and then next year we'll add to them. And then the following year we'll add to them. So, I mean, I think if people still like search it, even after the fact that they'll find at least a couple of different places that still have resources and that initiative, the concept of it isn't limited to just a day. Like that's something that we can take into the next year, into the next 10 years because it's needed and it's, it's something that will work, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Very exciting. Very exciting. It is. It's <laughs> like so exciting. Yeah. I know. Well, Autumn, thank you for being with us today. It was uh, so great to learn your story and the why behind why mental health education is so important to you and how you're going to um, amplify that out in the world. And we're, uh, we're, we're, we want to sit back and watch it happen. We can't wait. Thank you so much. I have been, I've had so much fun. It's been an amazing journey up to this point and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us and have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about this episode, you can check out our show notes and access additional information on our website at 1n5.org. We ask that you please subscribe, rate, write a review, or share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested in hearing more about how we are changing the mental health landscape. Again, I'm Nancy. And I'm Kayla. And we hope you'll join us next time.